right, welcome to the Pro Pilot Playbook Podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. <laughs> and today we're going to throw one into the ring. I know there's more than a million probably videos on the internet with this, but just for our followers, maybe you want yeah. to hear a quick comment from yeah, us. And, and we are we are way late to the subject. Way late. Because we kind of... We just kind of started this whole current event episode thing. We'll yes. we'll filter these in every now and then. So we thought, you know what, this is still hot enough. We'll go ahead and do it. And besides, yeah, yeah like you just said, maybe some of our viewers want our two cents on the whole thing. Yeah, uh, the the Kobe crash uh, is probably the biggest aviation news story uh, of the last ten years, probably. I yeah, mean, I was very a- surprised how quick that preliminary NTSB report came out. I mean, they uh, were. You know, so much pressure on them to to figure out what the hell happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'll start by saying there's a lot of big differences in flying airplanes uh, than flying helicopters. And we're not helicopter pilots, neither one of us. I have flown a helicopter, but I've flown in one in Hawaii. It was awesome. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, you know, just being around aviation, we do know a little bit. uh, uh, There's tons of videos of very interesting uh, right now of actual helicopter pilots analyzing this crash and what happens if you're interested uh, just check out YouTube I mean there's some really really cool stuff but but uh, some of the stuff that we do as every day is fixed wing pilots uh, that's what you call pilots that fly airplanes fixed wing because a helicopter actually does have a wing yeah it's, it's called a rotor wing when when that when those rotors are spinning at that velocity uh, you have to think of that as one solid disc yeah and uh yeah it's called a rotor wing yeah yeah so uh uh there's we'll we'll put in our uh two cents kind of what happened or not what happened but just what we know i mean so uh this is an area of the country that most corporate pilots or airline pilots are are familiar with the the gold golden state of california southern california beautiful weather uh lots of people live there lots of rich people go there uh so we're all we're both very familiar with the area. That's and all a good point airports. that it is usually beautiful weather, although yeah. there is yeah. the smog thing. Yeah, right. yeah, it never rain. It's like Anchorman. He's the weatherman in, uh, in uh, <laughs> San Diego, right? It's 72 every day. But, yeah. but, uh, Brick, so, Brick. <laughs> that's right. What a great movie. So, uh, the, the, uh, the, the flight, uh, so this is my understanding of just rumors and, uh, what does the uh, Wall Street Journal say? According to people familiar with the matter, <laughs> uh, 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 Kobe operated out of uh, uh, Orange County Airport, which is in southern L.A., identifier SNA, right? Yeah. Um, and then he had the uh, the Black Mamba, the helicopter that he kept there. I heard it might have been a gift from Nike. I don't know. But he kept that there uh, at, um, at, at the uh, Orange County Airport. And he would come in, and then that would take him, you know, to wherever he needed to go. I think he lived up in Calabasas or something, which is in North LA, or it would also uh, take him to the Staples Center. He had authorization to land at the Staples Center sometime for games. Um, and I don't know if you guys have ever been to LA, but the traffic's real bad there. Uh, so traveling by helicopter is probably quite convenient, wouldn't you say, Sean? I would say so. Yeah, there's several days I wish I had a helicopter just living here in Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, I hear you, man. So, but just to give you an idea of where he was going and where he crashed, so uh, Orange County is on the southern part of LA, and then where he was going, I understand it was up near um, Camarillo uh, to where he has a uh, practice facility, is on the far other north part of the city. So he had to transverse, and, and if you listen to the ATC, uh, uh, which is very interesting from the pilots, you can hear we that. We keep looking entry. down. Mike's got the uh, Four Flight four, app. Four Flight app, yeah. little shout-out to Four Flight. Uh, we both use this app every day when we fly, but 
he's looking at a chart of uh and i can put this on the screen when i put this up but uh yeah super dense airspace super dense yeah so you got john wayne sna which is uh, uh orange county then you go through uh you know long beach he flew over lax near there uh, uh burbank is another van nuys these are all and he's doing all this vfr yeah he's he's calling He's he's bouncing in and out of frequencies of these these folks' airspace. Yes, yes, um, and these are busy airports. Obviously, everybody knows LAX is busy. I heard, and, and they are IFR at this time. Or, or, and here comes this guy in a helicopter, right? VFR, right, right. I heard this, Sean, I, and, and maybe someone can comment if I'm incorrect, because I, I would think from my perception that Teterboro in New York City is the busiest airport in the in t- uh, for corporate jets, but I actually heard uh, Van Nuys is busier. I don't oh, know for corporate for, jets for, and for that kind of... You yeah. know what? I don't know. Well, they say that you know that area, New York, Teterboro, uh, Newark... And uh, you got JFK, LaGuardia, whatever. That yeah. that area right there is is the busiest airspace in the world. But I suppose maybe for corporate aircraft. Yeah. I, yeah. These I are major, that. major airports is our point. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, just we mentioned the weather there. but And I think this is a contributing factor to the crash. But um, um, it's kind of like if you've ever been to, to L.A. when it rains, um, it's like being somewhere like here when it snows like no one knows how to drive in it because it never does it and people are wrecking all over the place yeah well a little of that i think happens with aviation too in my experience there uh, you're always used to taking off and landing there and the weather's so beautiful when it's a day like this which was not great weather at all everybody's up in arms like oh man what do we do you know and the airports start getting backed up people are lined up they're shooting approaches they're circling to land and all this stuff and it's like wow wow we don't do this much you know right yeah, Especially yeah. for a helicopter guy who is constantly, you know, 500 to 1,000, 1,500 feet off the ground everywhere yeah. he goes. And, uh, it, yeah, it, it'd be real tempting, even if the weather was bad, to go ahead and go, which is what happened here, obviously. Yeah. And um, when, the, when the thing first went down, my first thought was, because I've, I've heard, and again, I'm not a, a licensed helicopter pilot, but I had heard that. I've always known that, uh, you know, in a helicopter, uh, you could get into a situation where if you were doing what he was doing, which we call scud running, Mm -hmm. scud running is the uh, unofficial term pilots use for, you know, flying beneath the clouds when you shouldn't be right. (laughs) And, and staying right at the, uh, you know, in an unpopulated area, it's 500 feet above the ground um, in a, in a populated area. Or what? Well, populate, thousand. They call it populated, or is it dense? Dense. Yeah, it depends yeah, on the whatever. density it's area. Five hundred thousand feet. The yeah. yellow area is on a sectional chart. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you got to be higher there. But anyway, uh, my my initial thought was he was doing the scud running, and then got into the hills, and then saw a hill approaching, popping out of the weather, and yanked back on the collective, and it did a a very abrupt climb and level off and in a helicopter in that situation you can actually get blade flex where that spinning rotor disc will flex enough that you can hit your own tail boom if it's violent enough right and inside that tail boom is the shaft for the rotor or the tail rotor and uh it's catastrophic you're you're dead at that point and that's that's initially what i thought yeah um but uh the preliminary ntsb stuff has now come out and um, they're saying uh, both the tail rotor and the main rotor were spinning normal. Okay, yeah, gotcha. So that was not the case. No, no. And, you know, uh, 
I learned quite a few things about helicopters just researching this myself over the um w- one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting is is I'm like how do you you know hit something in a cloud uh, even if you're, this guy wasn't supposed to be in insurance conditions, but sure, I'm like, but you're in a helicopter, you just helicopter. stop. Yeah. You just stop or back <laughs> up or whatever. Right. Uh, one of the things I learned from this is, is actually it's almost impossible, if not extremely difficult to hover an air, uh, hover a helicopter in instrument conditions. Um, I've heard that only certain military equipped helicopters can actually even accomplish this with sophisticated computers, but no pilot can really hand hand hover a helicopter in the clouds. And, and you need a forward speed of a minimum like 30 knots to be able to fly in instrument conditions. So that was pretty eye-opening. Uh, also, I've heard uh, different things on different uh, chat boards about vortex ring state, but basically, uh, if you're in a helicopter and you're descending, say, to land, and you descend like more than 400 feet a minute or something, you can get caught in the downdraft of your own rotor burst, and that can cause it to crash on the ground. Heard some theories about that, but I can tell you just from pilots listening to that transcript that that guy did seem like he was pushing it. He, and, yeah, and he, I, I could. You could almost hear it in his voice a little bit that uh, there was uh, it, there was some concern or a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. and he hovered for 15 minutes uh, for trying to get through Van Nuys airspace. He had optimum time to to land i mean it's just really sad and you know i don't want to throw stones because like i said i don't fly helicopters and everything but you know we've all heard of situations and been in situations where passengers are pressuring you to do something and you know i i I don't know i can't comment on what kobe might have you know yeah I, i don't know that he was pressuring this guy or he put the pressure on himself or something but a lot of times you get in that or sometimes it's as simple as we, we got to get homeitis right get homeitis you know and pilots are notorious for to be honest with you pilots are notorious for not even letting that situation come up to where a passenger's pressuring them right. it's like they try to avoid that situation by just saying we're going yeah <laughs> i've yeah. seen that before yeah you yeah. know and i'm like well wait a minute here let's look at everything just slow down don't bring the passengers out yet hang yeah. on yeah. Hang on. Yeah, we need to look at this and see if this is really something we should be doing. Right. I, I had a guy tell me, a great uh, pilot friend of mine, he said, uh, you know, Mike, uh, uh, they we, we get paid a lot of money to say yes, uh, but uh, sometimes you get paid even more money to say no. Yeah, so that's a good – I uh, like that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to you gotta look at what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish. And uh, in my experience, most of the passengers – uh, if they knew what you knew, wouldn't want to go either. You know what I mean? But uh, 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 <laughs> right. so so you know you don't. I I don't know. It's just a sad thing, and I hated to hear it. What a just a tragedy, and uh, of course, uh, yeah. You just uh, everybody's gonna pick pick apart. You know, there's there's hundreds of mistakes made in aviation every day, maybe thousands. Yep. Um, and and the, nothing. The happens. accidents. Yep. The accidents never happen from those one or two things. When you look at accident case study, it's a piling on of stuff. It right. starts with something simple. Oh, that could have been avoided. They're okay. And then something else happens. And then yeah. something else happens. And, then yeah. something else, and it's a, this whole stacking of events that end up with the airplane in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's easy to sit here and say, oh, it was a bad pilot. And he made bad decisions. But in, unless you're in his shoes and you know exactly what occurred, I mean, I, I don't know that you can really say that, you know. On that whole, you know, point the finger at the pilot, you know, initially I kind of was guilty a little bit too. You know, this guy is, um, he's instrument rated, the helicopter's instrument rated, but he was scud running. He, yeah. he knew what he was doing was illegal. Um, 
And the company wasn't even certified for IFR flights, which, yeah. you know, it's a helicopter company and it's VFR there all the time. Why would they go through it? But this guy was not an idiot. That, no. that is a, that isn't just any old helicopter. That was a big complex machine right. that had, you know, most helicopters are, you know, they get like four people on them. Yeah. Uh, what was there, like eight passengers oh, on that thing? Beast. The, yeah, yeah, that was a beast of a helicopter. And you don't haphazardly accidentally end up in that position. Yeah, flying Kobe Bryant on a... Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> flying a high... Yeah. This guy knew what he was doing. And uh, in my opinion, he just got over his head that day. Yeah. Because yeah. he'd done it so many times. As a matter of fact, uh, he had been disciplined by the FAA for doing the exact same thing in the past. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it was just one of those days. He, uh, yeah, I've been here before. I feel confident doing it. Yep. Let's go. Got boxed in a corner. And, uh, you know, and it's stuff like this that we realize why those rules exist. Right, right. And so the uh, initial... NTSB report, and now they've they've released. There's all kinds of videos out there of, of what you know. There's eyewitnesses and stuff like that. But the helicopter hit the ground at a, a sideways angle, mm-hmm. um, traveling at 180 knots, and that's pretty fast. That's fast, yeah, for a helicopter, right? Yeah. In, in that environment and whatever. So uh, all of their initial. Uh, whatever findings are, are it's just he got in the ifr and, and got spatial disorientation yeah got disoriented and, and ended up in that position hmm. man well that's that's it's unfortunate it's a terrible accident um and uh you know it is i i, I it is popular right now and that's why we want to talk on this topic but there is some uh tons of resources that if you uh, google the uh, atc or air traffic control it's pretty interesting to hear that yeah there's yeah. guys even uh putting together youtube videos of the the flight path that the helicopter took as he was making those radio calls and stuff which i i thought was pretty yeah and those things came out like the next day, the next these day guys, yeah they're on top of it <laughs> yeah some of these guys are really uh into that yeah yep yep but yeah if we hear anything more good we'll let you know but uh that's what we know so far but like i said we're just airplane pilots <laughs> yep thanks for tuning in folks <laughs> bye-bye hi mike here and i'm sean yeah and we'd like to tell you if you've enjoyed this content that we're putting out on our podcast and you find a lot of value in it, you're going to find a tremendous amount of value in our actual course. It's called the ProPilot Playbook. Yep, and you can find it at ProPilotPlaybook.com. This thing will save you thousands of dollars and years of time in your flight training. If you were even considering becoming a pilot, or if you're already in the middle of your flight training, or towards the end of your flight training even, there is value in this product 20 times what we're selling it for. If you want your flight training done fast, cheap, and correctly the, the ProPilot playbook is critical to your success that's right it will help you immensely and there's a seven day money back guarantee if you buy the course and you feel it's not valuable then just refund it we'll give you a full refund they're not going to need that no they're not no you're <laughs> right so check out our website propilotplaybook.com and use the promotional code podcast podcast one word gets you 10 percent off yep and we can't wait to help you launch your flying career thanks folks thanks folks